Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. This morning I'm going to read some scripture and then after that I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will just move throughout this congregation, throughout this audience. And if there be people that are bound, that they're going to be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. I believe in a meeting like this, as the Holy Spirit is moving, the results of a meeting like this could count for eternity. There's been people that have come into this auditorium, they've come bound without hope. And in a moment's time, they have found the reality of Jesus Christ. They've been delivered. They've been set free. I want you to follow along with me in the Bible as we open up to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Or chapter 7, rather. Romans chapter 7. And let's begin reading in verse 14. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Now, the one who speaks these words is a man that many of you know. You've heard him over and over again. You hear about him. The Apostle Paul, or we could also call him Saint Paul. And he's one of the most powerful men that we find recorded within the Word of God. And listen to the words that he says. In verse 14, he begins by saying, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then another law, that when I do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And then he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me 
from the body of death. And then he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then in verse 1 of chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. And let's try, ushers, to minimize the moving around this morning. Lord, I pray that you give me the words that I should speak. You know the needs of each person that is in this auditorium. I pray you reach out, O Holy Spirit, and touch hearts. I pray that before this meeting is over, that operations will be done in the lives of men and women. I pray you take the minds of each person here this morning, Lord, and penetrate those minds and reach out to those hearts and those that may find themselves in shackles, Lord, and in bondage, victim of the enemy. I pray that this very morning, Lord, they be released. Let there be a release. Let there be a freedom that will take place in the lives of men and women this morning. Whatever the need may be, whatever the problem may be, we know that you are the solution. You are the answer to the needs of mankind. And this morning, oh sweet Holy Spirit, just let your presence continue to be felt, and we will praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, we bind the enemy, we bind Satan right now. In Jesus' name, and we take all authority over him. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I would like to talk to you for a little while, and I would like to just, in a way, tell it like it is. We find that the Bible does tell it like it is. And the question that, that the Apostle Paul had in his mind when he was writing this, when he wrote this, and we find it recorded in chapter 7 of Romans, is the same question that I believe that many Christians have today. Now, the words that are spoken here in chapter 7 of the Gospel of Romans, or the Book of Romans, rather, these words are not from a man that is unregenerated, but the words that we find here in the Book of Romans in chapter 7 are words that come from the lips of a man who had a definite experience with Jesus Christ. Now, it would seem that these words would come from someone that is a sinner or someone that has not come into that experience of, of being born again because he talks about bondage, he talks about that there was sin in him, that there was a conflict that was taking place within his life. 
And I'm sure that the question that the Apostle Paul had is the question that you may have this morning. Is it really possible to overcome sin? Now, I know that if you're honest with yourself this morning, you find that there are conflicts within a Christian's life. And even though we've been born again, there's that very first experience that we have with Christ, that we may be on, on cloud nine and everything seems to be good. But then there are those valleys that we have to go through. And there are those moments when the feeling may not be there that we have to put our confidence and trust in the Word of God and serve God by faith. And there are people today, even Christians, that are bound in one area or another within their lives. Sometimes you may overcome one habit when you get saved. You may be able to conquer one problem, but Satan is, is such a deceiver and Satan is such a, such a, 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 a way of, of operating within the life of a Christian that if he don't get you one way, he tries to get you another way. And the Apostle Paul found out that he was in a conflict and he found himself in a heavy warfare. And the words that he speaks, he says, man, there is a battle that has taken place within my life. I want to do good, but I do bad. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And then he cries out and he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Have you ever felt like that? Is it possible that you feel this way this morning? Could it be that you're sitting in this auditorium and there is a battle that is raging within your life? So many times, no one may know about it, but you know about it and God knows about it. And the question comes to us at times, is it possible for me to live an overcoming Christian life? Is it possible to overcome that sin that constantly wants to get hold of me and keep me in bondage? Well, this was the very same question that the Apostle Paul was considering, the very same question that he was asking himself. But listen, you should feel good that you're not the only one, that also the Apostle Paul had this problem. And not only do we find the Apostle Paul with this problem, but we look in the Word of God and we, we find other people. But even, even in history, we find that there were even monks and people that want, wanted to attain holiness and they even separated themselves from the world. And it's not just a problem of separating yourself from people. There have been people that have separated themselves from the entire world. We have monks that have isolated themselves. And even right in the isolation, and even though they, they've separated themselves and even tried to torture their body because they wanted to obtain holiness, they still found that the conflict was within. The conflict was within. And then even in the Bible we find men of God like David. What happened to David? He was a man after God's own heart. But we find that in a moment of weakness in his life, 
Suddenly the enemy took advantage and came in, and David committed two great sins. Not only did he commit adultery, but he also committed murder. And you read the account of David, and you find that he suffered for it. And by the grace of God, he was forgiven after crying out and after shedding many tears of repentance. We also find in the Word of God, we find Paul also speaking how he was buffeted by, by a messenger of Satan. And we find Paul crying out in this passage, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? Well, I'm so happy to tell you that even though we find the negative, the statement that Paul made that was negative, we also are able to find in the Bible that Paul was able to find a solution. And there is definitely an answer within the Word of God. There is definitely scriptures in the Word of God that point out to us that we could definitely live a life which is overcoming. We could definitely live a life overcoming, a life that we could overcome sin and temptation. There is a message in the Bible that is positive. The Bible tells you the truth, but at the same time, it brings out that there is a solution. And Paul was able to find this solution to the problem that he was facing. And this morning, I want us to consider some of the points that Paul was able to find that I think that will be helpful for us. First of all, we find that Paul was going around in a, in a merry-go-round. He was going around in a, a sin merry-go-round that he couldn't get off. That even though he tried to please God and he tried to find holiness, he would keep on unfolding. There was things in his life that were not right, and it bothered him, and it disturbed him. And he wanted to find that solution. And Paul recognized the problem, but he did find the solution. First of all, Paul found out that the believers, him as a believer, was no longer a slave to sin. And it's very important for you and I to recognize this this morning. Now the devil comes like a roaring lion, the Bible says. The devil, he likes to make loud noises. And what the devil would like to do is keep you away from the Word of God. The devil would like to keep you from recognizing and, and receiving and accepting by faith the privileges that are yours as a child of God. So the first thing that you have to recognize this morning, if you want to have power over that sin in your life, if you want to overcome that sin that may have you in bondage, and if you want to be set free, first of all, you have to recognize that when you came to Jesus Christ, you were delivered, he set you free, and you are not a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to live that life. You don't have to follow that life. But you could be set free. 
In the Bible, we find that the believer has authority. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, God has raised us up together and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We do have overcoming power. And we have to recognize this, that as Jesus, he confronted the enemy, he died, but the devil could not keep him in the grave. He resurrected from the dead. He ascended at the right hand of the Father. And not only did he ascend to the right hand of the Father, but we too have ascended into the right hand of the Father. And because he is in heavenly places, we are also in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he's put all things under our feet. Now you have to understand that. When Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, there were some slaves that didn't believe it. He freed them. There was the proclamation that, that the slaves were set free. And legally they were set free. But there were some slaves that didn't believe it and they kept on serving their masters. And also there were masters that took advantage of it and kept the slaves being slaves even though legally they were set free. Until some of these slaves began to see other, other so-called slaves that were living a free life and then as they began to believe it, they began to, to, uh, to take the privileges that was theirs. But until they stepped out and until they believed that they were free, they were still on the bondage. And this is the way the devil operates. You've been set free, but if you don't recognize that, if you feel that you cannot overcome that sin, then the devil will take advantage of it. And what happens many times is that we find excuses and we try to justify the sins. This is when you're defeated. You say, well, God doesn't expect me to be perfect. God doesn't expect me to, to, to be holy like he was. God understands he knows that I am a human being. He knows my weaknesses. And sometimes we come into that area of justification and justifying our sins. And justifying the state of bondage that you find yourself in. And when you do that, my friend, then you have accepted that the enemy is over you. You have accepted the defeat that the enemy has overcome you and that you cannot overcome the enemy. But the Word of God teaches just the opposite. The Word of God does teach that we are overcomers in Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ was able to overcome Satan, then we too who are his children and are part of the family of God are able to overcome Satan and overcome sin. It is very, very important to understand that because if you don't understand it and if you try to justify yourself you'll always find yourself in that state of sin and there are some of you that are listening to me this morning and you're in that sin merry-go-round yes you come you come here on Sunday morning 
and you're not all the way out in the world, but the devil has a grip on you. And many times there are those secret sins that nobody knows about, but you know about it. And it disturbs you, and it robs you of that peace that God wants to give you. And there's always that constant battle within your life, fighting that sin that wants to control you. Well, I just pray that this morning, this will be the morning that you will find freedom within your life, and you'll be able to walk out of this place knowing the authority that God has given you as a child of God. Secondly, so then first of all, Paul had to re recognize and he was either going to come to a place, one place of saying, well, you can't overcome it, man. I might as well just flow with it and accept it as part of my life. Or I could overcome it. And in these days, there's a lot of pressure, peer pressure. You know, Christianity has become very liberal sometimes. And for you to be holy, sometimes you look like you're a freak when, you're, when, you, when you proclaim to be, when you want to be holy. Very easily you be, could become liberal and become nominal. There are many nominal Christians today. It seems like holiness is a, a thing of the past. But it's not a thing of the past. God still requires us to live a separated life, a life of holiness before his presence. And believe me that some way or another there will be a purif purification of the church before Jesus comes. One way or another there will be a purifying of the church of Jesus Christ. It's better to be a fanatical. It's better to say, I want a life that is separated unto God instead of being a nominal Christian, always up and down uh, in that sin merry-go-round. I want to live an overcoming life for the glory of God. This should be the desires of everyone in this auditorium this morning. Secondly, we also find that Paul was able to find this out too, that that also, not only was, also did he have authority, but also he found out that Satan was a defeated enemy. Now, you don't really have to defeat him because he's been defeated. And the, the problem that we have so many times is that we're always running away from, from the devil. We're always running away from the devil, and we always say the devil is on our backs. And most Christians today, instead of having the devil on the run, we're running from the devil. And you don't find in any instance whatsoever within the Word of God where Jesus ran from demons and ran from the devil. In fact, it was Jesus that always went into the devil's territory. Jesus was the one that was always looking for barullo with the devil. You find in the, in the Bible in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29, when suddenly there were two demon-possessed people, the demons cried out when Jesus came, and he said, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Are thou come to torment us before time? You see, even the demons know that they are defeated. It's funny that sometimes Christians don't know that the devil is defeated, but the demons know it. Listen to what the demon said. He recognized 
Jesus as the Son of God. And then he says, are you come to torment us before time? They know their destination. They all know where they're going to wind up. And the Bible states it very clearly that the, the career of the devil and his angels are going to be in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever. You read throughout the whole Bible, you find that, that Jesus had authority over demons and over the devil. So he wasn't running from them. Even his temptation in the wilderness was not motivated by the devil himself. But the Bible says, if you read the Bible, you find that he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, what spirit was it? It was the, the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to have a confrontation with the devil. Jesus never ran away from Satan, but Jesus confronted Satan right at his own ground and overcame him because he knew that he was the Son of God. So the demons acknowledged that. And if you are, are dead and if you've risen, if you resurrected with Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, that means that we have resurrected with Christ. This is what Paul had to understand. Paul realized, amen, I am resurrected with Jesus Christ and the power that he has is mine. I have a new nature. I have the Spirit of God and it's a Spirit that is living with inside of me and I can overcome him. Thanks be to Jesus Christ. You understand that? So it's very important to understand you don't have to run from him, but he will run from you. And then also even Satan himself. Not only, now these are, now there's, there's the devil. Again, I mentioned to you last week th that the devil does not have the attributes that Jesus has. The devil does not have the attributes that God has. The devil cannot be every place at one time. This is why the devil could only be in one place at one time. But there are many fallen angels there are many demons and it's a well-organized army of fallen angels and demons that the devil has and he has strategies and we have to understand these strategies if we want to wage a, a good warfare against Satan it is very important especially those of you that have come out of a life of, of heavy sin it is important to understand that what he wants to do is pull you back again into that life. He wants to destroy every work of God within your life. This is his purpose. And he will try to find ways of destroying you and bringing you into a place of defeat. And the way he does it is through those fallen angels, through those demons that he will begin to work within your life and they and they have a very careful and very uh, very very pl uh, plan that they have that, that they have conceived together so that they could bring you into the place of defeat so what Satan wants to do he has a calculated plan to bring you into that area of defeat and he's very well organized and Satan 
cannot be every place at one time, so he has all these fallen angels that begin to work in you. But Satan himself, the devil himself, he realizes and acknowledges that he is defeated. And in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12, we find it, it tells how the devil is cast to earth. Now, right now the devil is in the air, the principality of the air. But do you know that there's going to be a time when the devil is going to be cast down to earth? Now we know that he works in, in, as far as the, the realm of earth. He works, his forces are working within the earth. We know that. But throughout the tribulation period, he's going to take the form of a man and he's going to, he's going to possess a man and he's going to be down here upon earth. And over here it talks about that and it says, it tells how the devil is cast to earth. And then the devil knows and he realizes that he has a short time. So even the devil himself knows that his time is short. The devil knows that eventually that he will wind up in the lake of fire. The devil knows that he is defeated. The devil knows that Jesus has authority over him. And the devil even knows that we have authority over him. But if he could keep us from knowing that, then he will have us in a place of defeat. And the Bible says in Colossians that Christ spoiled principalities and powers. Listen to that. And made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. So Jesus overcame Satan, and it's very, very important for you to realize that. Then also the Apostle Paul, number three, he also realized that for him to overcome Satan and overcome those problems that he had, that even though he was free from sin and from slavery, the only, the only way was to accept it by faith. Now, this is the problem that we all have. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. To accept the Word of God by faith. Now, you have all the promises of God. And there are moments like this in this auditorium, this service, where I'm speaking to you and it's hitting home. Somehow you identify with what I'm saying and you're saying, you know what, Sonny, you're telling the truth, man. I have hang-ups. My life is in bondage and there's no telling what you're involved in. There are some of you that look good on the outside, but oh man, you're living a double life. There's a dual life. There's one life where you are on Sunday morning in Victory Temple, raising your hands and praising God. And then throughout the week, many of you are living an entirely different life. That if right now we had a screen and we put up the screen and we said, this is your life, and we begin to flash it on the screen, you would run out of this place in embarrassment. You would... There are problems within your life that nobody else knows and conflicts and weaknesses within your life. That no one else knows about it, but you know about it. 
And you knowing about it takes away the peace of God within your life. How can you enjoy Christianity? How can you have the peace of God within inside of you? How can you have that rest that God is able to give when constantly you're in a conflict and you cannot overcome that sin that is in your life and the sin has you bound? My friend, it is not the will of God for you to be in bondage. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And what you have to know this morning is the truth. That you're not a slave to sin anymore. But you have to accept that truth by faith. Now what do I mean by faith? Faith means that not only do you recognize it. This is the problem with a lot of people. You recognize it. You know the Bible. Some of you know the Bible. Sometimes knowing the Bible from cover to cover is not enough. You're a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer. You hear the Bible over and over, Sunday after Sunday, but nothing is done about it. You know what real faith is all about? Faith is when you take action. When suddenly you take the promises of God, and after this, this, uh, this meeting, you're able to say, you know, this is the truth. I, I've been buffered here by Satan, and he has me on the run, but I'm not running no more, and I'm going to stand firm, and I'm going to put the devil on the run, and I'm going to take the promises of God, and I'm going to believe them, and I'm going to stand upon them in the name of Jesus. What it really means is doing something about it acting upon the Word of God. And one of the ways to act upon the Word of God, first of all, there must be repentance. Now there's no way there are some that may not want to give up that sin. There are some of you that may not want to give up that life. Maybe you have too much invested within that life. Maybe you've been too wrapped up and your emotions are involved. Well, if you don't want to give it up, there's no way that God is able to bring the victory in your life. There's no way that you could find victory here this morning until you are ready to give up that life. And believe me, if you don't give up that life, it will eventually destroy you. The problem is that so many times we think we're getting away with it, but we're really not getting away with it. We don't see the judgment of God coming upon us. God is a patient God. And at first when you got involved in that type of life and you got entangled in that type of sin that you may be involved in this morning, you were expecting the judgment of God to come quickly upon you. But it didn't come. And because it didn't come, you said, well, I'm getting away with it. And I could serve God, and I could still do my thing, and everything is all right. And you have formed your own theology. Some people have formed even their own Bible. You don't go by what the Bible says, but you go by what you want to go. But eventually, my friend, it will definitely catch up with you. 
The Bible is true. One of these days, the judgment of God will come upon your life. You're ruining your life. You're playing in the hands of the enemy. And the Bible says, whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. Believe me, my friend, there's no getting away from it. We could have testimonies and testimonies of life that have been wrecked. And they could come up here and, and they could tell you, listen, I lost everything. And they could give you testimonies and say, it all started out by just that little creeping compromise. That's the way it all starts out. This doesn't start out with a big sin. It starts out little sins and little sins, and then the little sins get bigger. And before you know it, you're, you're involved in, 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 in many sins, sin that has taken over your life. And then when you try to pull away from it, you find yourself in bondage. And let me tell you this morning that there's no freedom from you, for you. I'll be frank with you and I'll be blunt with you. If you don't want to leave it, there isn't anything anybody's able to do. Not even God himself is able to change your life if you don't want to leave it. See, you have a free will. And he respects that free will that you have. And he will not violate that free will. What he does do is that you hear sermons like you're hearing this morning. And the Holy Spirit tugs and moves upon you. And some of you get emotional. Some of you, there are some Sunday mornings when suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to move upon your life and the compassion and love of Jesus Christ is shed abroad in your life and he's calling you to repentance. Then you get emotional and you come and you cry and tears come down your face. But that is not enough. It is not good enough to realize that you're in sin. It is not good enough to realize that what you're doing is against the will of God and even feel bad about it. True repentance is when you're willing to come up, and even if you come up with tears flowing down your face, but you're willing to say, God, I am willing this very day to turn my back on sin, and I'm willing to start anew. Those are the people that suddenly find a change that has taken place in their lives. Repentance is doing something about it. And you may be waiting for God to take you and just force you to serve him. He's not going to do it. He'll call. He'll plead. He'll even beg. But it's up to you to cut it loose. It's up to you to make a decision. It's up to you to turn your back on that life and turn your back on sin. Some of you may have to leave your friends. There are some of you that may be entangled with some friends that are not good for you. And God has been dealing with you about that. You may have to leave them. Some of you may have to leave a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend. Some of you may have to leave that business transaction that you may be involved in because it doesn't please God. There's always that price that has to be paid. But my friend, whatever you leave, whatever you give up, my friend, you cannot compare with what you will receive the blessing of Jesus Christ upon your life. Jesus doesn't leave you empty. It is not saying I am going to leave something and, and have a void for the rest of my life and inside of me. No. 
But Jesus is saying, let me replace it. Whatever that need you have in your life, whatever is driving you to do what you're doing, whatever that love that you're searching for, he, he says, oh, my child, he says, you don't have to give anything up. Let me replace it. I give you something that is better. I give you something more precious and more beautiful and something that is real and lasting. Listen to me, whatever need you have, Jesus is all in all. Jesus is able to satisfy whatever need you have in your life. He wants to replace that that is in your life that is destroying you. And in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, Repent therefore and be, therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. You know what conversion is? Conversion means an about face. I think that some Christians need to be converted this morning. You say, but Brother Sonny, I'm born again. Yes, you're in the grace of God. By the grace of God, you may be saved. Some of you may not be. Some of you may be backslidden. Some of you may be in apostasy this morning. The Bible does say that in the last days there shall be apostasy. Apostasy means a falling away, a falling away. You know that as you fall away, there is that, that fine point that is it's hard to even tell, that fine point where suddenly you're out of the ark of safety. There's a little fine point where all of a sudden you're not in Christ no more, but you've left Christ and you're back in the world. And you need, to, you need forgiveness of your sins and you need to repent of your sins. Very, very dangerous, my friend. So conversion, there are some Christians that need to be converted. Conversion is when you turn your back on that sin. And some of you need to turn the back on, that, on your sin this morning. And then also, repentance always brings rest. There's something about it. When you come to him, you want rest? Then stop struggling. See, some of you are struggling with Satan, and you're struggling with God. You don't want to serve Satan all the way, and at the same time, you don't want to serve God all the way. And you're struggling here and struggling there, and there's no peace in your life. But if you surrender yourself to Jesus this morning, and you come to him, and you're willing to forsake all and follow him, then there will be a rest that will come in your life. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 19, that there is a rest for the people of God. We should be living a life of rest. We should be able to blase in the Lord and enjoy our Christianity. We should not be struggling. Jesus did all the struggling, and he won the victory for us, and we should come into that place of rest in Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is to surrender ourselves completely and totally unto him. And last of all, and with this I finish, then also the Apostle Paul, he found that believers are supernaturally helped in their hour of temptation. Now you may say, Brother Sonny, you don't understand. Now, I know that, I, I know that it's hard sometimes to say, well, I, I got the theology, but it doesn't work. 
How many of you would identify with that? I know what you're saying, Brother Sonny, and, and I've read it. I've read in Romans 6, I've read Romans 7, I've read Romans 8. I understand the theology, but it just doesn't work. Well, the reason why it doesn't work is because possibly you're not understanding what you're reading. And maybe you're not launching out. I'm not telling you that there won't be a struggle. You might even slip at times. And you know that the most important decision, if you slip, is the one you make right after the fall. There are some people that may take a slip and they say, oh, what's the use, man? I've messed up again. There may be some of you this morning that you say, I'm not even going to come to the altar. I've come to the altar before and I keep on falling on my face. That's where the devil would like to have you at that place, at that state. Where you're saying, I'm not going to even try anymore. I'm tired of, of trying and failing God. Well, the most important decision that you make is when you take that slip. When you take that slip, there's that, that perseverance that even if you slip, you get up and say, God, forgive me this very morning, at this very moment, I'm going to go on and I'm going to press 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 on and I'm going to ser serve you and I'm going to make it. And you know what will happen? You will begin, your faith will increase. You will begin to build your confidence in Jesus. And before you know it, you'll say, I'm an overcomer. The temptation will be drifting more and more away. It will get less tempting. The strength of the enemy will become less and less as you press on with God. And before you know it, you're living a victorious life. And you're able to proclaim like the Apostle Paul, I thank my God for Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation to them that live in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So temptation is the problem with some of you. Now, there are moments when... Some people, I would, I would say this, not most of you, but there are some people that need deliverance. Now, there's a difference between somebody being possessed and just somebody being influenced by the temptation. Now, even in, our, in ourselves, sometimes the, the, the temptation is from within. See, if you stop praying and if you don't have your spiritual life the way it should be, then automatically that old nature will begin to resurrect. And that old nature is no good. That old nature wants to satisfy the desires of the flesh. And suddenly you will find the, the appetites of the flesh will be revived. You just try it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Stop praying. Stop seeking God. But even in praying and seeking God, if you don't stand by faith on the Word of God, it's still not going to do any good. But as you do pray and you seek God, you get that power, supernatural power, and the old flesh is crucified, not only crucified, but is also buried. And then you begin to live in that newness of life and the desires that you have are the desires for God. But if you stop praying and seeking God and reading your word, then automatically you're going to become a ball of flesh. 
You want to hear, not the Christian music, you want to get down with that music, you know. Huh? All of a sudden you find the temptation, your, your eyes are looking where they shouldn't be looking. You see somebody drinking a beer and you get that taste in your mouth, you want to drink a beer. You may even, those desires to shoot heroin and use drugs may suddenly revive again. And whatever your hang-up was before and the weakness was in your life before, it will be revived once again. And that is because you have neglected your prayer life. You've neglected the Word of God. You're not walking in the Spirit anymore. And you cannot, you have to either be in the Spirit or you're going to be in the flesh. You can't be in the middle. So if you neglect that area of your life, then you will be reverting right back again to the flesh and the old nature will begin to get control of you. And before you know it, you're in trouble. I know that some say, there's nothing wrong in hearing worldly music. Oh yes, there is something wrong. It's like a computer, man. You, you, you listen to the worldly music and before you know it, you have that worldly influence. Listen, God has called us to be separated unto him. If you want holiness in your life, then fill your mind with the things of God. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely. If you want the fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life, then you must have Christ, and that's the only way that you will have the fruit of the Spirit. The things of the world will draw you away from God. That little creeping compromise. Listen, if you are tuned in with God, you put on some worldly music, you get convicted. Something inside says, hey, that's not you. Suddenly you become sensitive. There's a sensitivity that you have when you are close to God, you are sensitive. You get around people that are gossiping and maybe a foul language and ooh, it bothers you. There's that sensitivity because you're close to God. But all of a sudden, you separate yourself from the presence of Jesus Christ. And I don't care how old you've been. I don't care how long you've been serving God. You could very easily separate yourself from God. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the world, liking the things of the world, indulging with the things of the world. Then you don't, it doesn't bother you no more when you hear foul language. It doesn't bother you. The, the worldly music doesn't bother you. You say, well, uh, I, I'm not fanatical. I, I could handle it. You ever hear people say, I could handle it. I, I'm not, I'm, you know, that's good for those people. They really have to be careful because they'll, they're drug addicts. But I've never been a drug addict. I, I could handle it. That's what you think you could handle it, but slowly... You're drifting more and more from the Spirit into the flesh. And instead of having the fruit of the Spirit, you will have the fruit of the flesh. And so then temptation is something that hits everybody. I mentioned it to you last week, and I finished with this. That the Apostle Paul realized, and it's very important for you to realize this, that we are, we, we are supernaturally helped in the hour of temptation. Now, if a person is bound by a demon, he needs deliverance. There's no way that he could do it on his own and fight it. He needs somebody to come and lay hands on him or lay hands on her, and we've got to rebuke that demon out, and he has to be delivered. But in most cases, it's not demon possession, but it's demon oppression. 
in most cases is the enemy, the influence of the enemy upon a person's life. And the Apostle Paul found out what the Scripture says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who would not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You hear that? In other words, there's always that way of escape in temptation. The problem is with some of you that you don't want to escape. You remember Joseph, how he had to escape that temptation? With Joseph, the Potiphar's wife kept on bugging him, and it wasn't one day. I mean, it was constantly. She would tell him, come on, man, let's get together. Let's make it. And he would say, no, no, no way, no way. And he would go on, you know, and he's serving his God, and he's faithful to his master. And, man, she, you know, it was a constant bug in him. He was, he was constantly involved in temptation. And then finally one day she had it, and she says, come over here, uh, uh, Joseph, we, we have to make it. And she got a hold of him. And at that moment, he realized that, oh, oh, this is getting too heavy. And what he did is, instead of falling for the temptation, he left his coat and he ran. Now, was there a way of escape? There sure was a way of escape. Now, what, what was really happening was that the enemy wanted to destroy his life. But he went ahead, he chose God, and in the long run, you find that his life was uplifted. He prospered. Even though he went through some trials, even though he went through some suffering, nevertheless, we find him that he was uplifted and he was blessed of God because of his faithfulness. So then temptation, everybody is tempted. It says, uh, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted more than you're able. In other words, whatever temptation you face, you could handle it. God has not permitted you to go through anything, any temptation that you cannot handle. But if you start teasing around with it, watch out, you're in trouble. The problem is that some like to tease it, you know. Let me see how far I could go. You like to play with it a little bit. And believe me, you start playing with it, it will get a hold of you. There are a few things that I want to give you before we close as far as handling temptation. First of all, counter-react temptation. Do not tolerate it. Do not tolerate temptation for a moment. If temptation comes to you, then suddenly go to God. If something comes to your mind, then put your mind on Jesus. And there'll be that little battle that'll take place for a while, but after a while, the devil will flee. And you'll feel the peace of God. Do not try to peacefully coexist with temptation. Come out against it and seek God. The problem that is with many people is that you try to coexist with it. You're tempted, and you say, well, I'll handle it. And you're not seeking God. 
instead of pressing in with God, instead of getting hold of the resources that are yours, you try to handle it yourself and you're walking around day after day, the devil's hitting you with temptation and you're still not seeking God. So you try to coexist with the temptation and at the same time serve God. It doesn't work. If temptation hits you, then come out against it right away. Stamp it out. Rebuke it. Get a hold of God. Start speaking in tongues. Call upon the name of the Lord. Now, that may sound fanatical, but it works. I love you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? And then you begin to blow the devil's mind. You see, the, the more I tempt this person, the more revival he has. So you come out against it. You flee from it. Secondly, flee from it. As Joseph did. In other words, don't give any ground and get away from it as far as you can. If you find that somehow you're in a situation that is no good, then get away from it. Then number three, remind yourself, and this is very important. Whenever you get tempted, you see, temptation comes and it tries to lure you away. It tries to entice you. This is what the devil does. And he brings out all the, the pleasure of it. He brings out all the good things of it. The, the, the pleasure there is or how beautiful it is. He tries to paint it very beautifully. But at that moment that the devil tempts you, it's very important for you to remind yourself of the final pain. And those of you that have gone through pain in the past, remind yourself and say, wait a minute, the end of it is pain. The end of it is destruction. The end of it is death. And this is what Moses did. Moses chose rather to suffer with the children of, of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And this is what we have to do, remind ourselves that the end of it is pain. So this morning, it's up to you. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.